That was wonderful. I hope you have your eyes, your mind on the thoughts around the cross of Christ today because that's the reason for which we come together. We, uh, come on up folks, you know who I'm talking to. Uh, we had seven go down to Pigeon Forge this last week and uh, we had a wonderful time. I would encourage you to put, start putting back money for next year and making the opportunity for you to be there to, to share in that. And uh, it is very well worth the money. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But uh, we learned a song down there, and we are going to try to sing it to you, uh, for you. Try, so. Uh, pardon my voice, I've got it in the throat. So here we go. My yoke is easy. did have a wonderful time uh, down there. A uh, lot of good speakers, wonderful fellowship that is only a picture of what is to come in heaven. And I, again, I would encourage you to do your best to, uh, to participate in some things that, that are made available for us as God's people. Appreciate the song from the ladies and that one man. I don't know who that guy was, but he has a good voice. Uh, very good voice. Appreciate you. All of you for the harmony. It was just, just gorgeous. This morning we're going to begin, or continue I should say, uh, in looking at the epistle of Jude. And this is our third part of six. We have three more after this. And I find this again, as I said, to be a fascinating study, a fascinating walk through the book of Jude. And I'm sure even through these six lessons you're going to receive that 
This is not everything that could be said, but I'm going to try to hit the highlights uh, from this particular epistle of Jude. But as Jude continues to exhort his readers uh, from verse 4 to contend earnestly for the faith, he gives us the reason why we should do this. And he mentions there that certain men have crept in unnoticed. There are ungodly men who are guilty of two things. One, they turn the grace of God into lewdness. Second, they deny the authority of the Lord God and of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, himself. However, Jude also writes concerning these men that they were long beforehand, if you notice that, long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. There are those in our world who have taken that very phrase and they claim that God has set these men up to sin in the way that they sinned. God set them up to be the ones who would apostate themselves and fall away from the things of God. But that's not what the language of the Bible says at all. And if you have a, a, even a halfway decent translation of the Bible, you will see that Jude did not write that these men were ordained to sin. They were not ordained to become these apostates to fall away as though God were responsible for their sin. But the Bible tells us, and we need to understand, that what is ordained here is not their actions. What is ordained is the punishment that they would receive as a result of not being faithful to God. They are not going to escape this, the Bible says. To reinforce this point... Jude reminds his readers, you and I of today, he reminds us of three examples in which the ungodly will not miss the condemnation of God. And that's in verses 5 through 7. And what was read earlier, and again, I appreciate the men who come up here and read and pray. Uh, it's good practice for them. <coughs> and uh, I do appreciate that. But first of all, Israel in the wilderness. Secondly, we see the angels who sinned. And third, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are mentioned here in this particular section of Scripture. Now, in order that we might be reminded as well, and this is something that we do need to be reminded of quite often, if not every day, and maybe more than once a day, we need to see these historical cases in the Scriptures that remind us of what will happen if we are not faithful to God. If you sense a, a deja vu type of thing that here in Jude, you might remember what Peter said, because these two kind of have a pattern that goes together. 2 Peter chapter 2, <coughs> verses 4 through 6, Peter says these words, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. And verse 6, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Jude's action should be understandable to us because when Peter wrote his epistles, he wrote about these ungodly men who were yet to come. But now when Jude is writing his, his epistle, he's stating that what Peter said is true because they are now here very present within the church. The difference between Peter and Jude here 
in the examples they give is Peter talks about Noah and the ark and the ungodly who were destroyed there. But Jude begins his examples by telling us about Israel in the wilderness. Now understand something very clearly here. This is well known in Israel's history at this time. And I believe this is well known to even you and me as we stand here today and sit here today and hear this and read this from God's Word. God saved, now hear this, God saved the entire nation of Israel. He saved the entire nation, not just part of it, by bringing them out of the land of slavery from Egypt. Yet in spite of these people receiving the wonderful grace of God as, let, as they were led out of Egypt, in spite of that, we still see that God destroyed those who did not hold fast the truth and the belief and their faithfulness to Him. And this is the warning that's given to us in Scripture time after time after time to remind us so that we do not miss the glories of heaven because of our unfaithfulness. Their lack of faith, or better yet, their lack of obedient faith, required that they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a long time to wander. That's a long time to wander. And the purpose of this wandering, if you've ever read this story or heard preaching on it, is that God told Joshua and Caleb that all of those who were older than 20, when they left Egypt, they are going to perish before you go into this promised land. So there's a, no, a total of 600,000 plus, some estimate 603,550 men who were saved due to their continuous belief, their continuous obedience to God, and their faithfulness to Him, but some 603,548 were destroyed because they said, well... God has been a long time, and we don't think he's really as active as he claims. We want his promise now. It did not come, so they backed off, and he destroyed them. The point to be made from this, I believe, is this. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this tells us very plainly, if we believe the Bible, accept it, and follow it, that God will destroy even today those who once were saved. And this should scare the daylights out of us if we're not faithful. Paul made this point in writing to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning of verse number 1, notice some things here as I go through this. For I do not want you to be ignorant. Boy, we could stop right there and preach a sermon right there. Because many times we are ignorant of so many things, and we need to read these things, to study these things, to know these things. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and that all passed through the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses, and in the cloud, and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink, for the drink, they drank from that spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. In verse 5, he says, nevertheless, that is in spite of all of that that took place, that they were all saved, they all ate and drank of the same spiritual stuff. In verse 5, he says, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Most of them, their bodies were scattered over, in the, over the desert. Now notice verse 6 here. These things occurred 
as examples for you people of Pleasant Ridge Church of Christ of 2022, these were given to us as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. In verse 7, he begins to lay out what these people had done. He said, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, they sat down. They were once walking in God. But now they sat down to eat and drink and they got up to indulge in pagan revelry. That's out of Exodus 32. In verse 8 he says, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, one day 23,000 of them died because of the sexual immorality that took place even in their worship of God. How sad. In verse 9, he says, we should not test the Lord as some of them did. Test the Lord. Push the patience of God. Have you ever said to your child, I've got one nerve left and you're standing on it. You push my patience to the point that now I have to react to your misbehaving. These people were testing the Lord, and he says they were killed by snakes. If we are not obedient to God, it's the old devil who will sooner or later wrap around us, and he will have us if we're not careful. And then in verse 10, he says, Do not grumble, as some of them did. This is out of Numbers 14, and they were killed by the destroying angel. You know what grumbling is? <laughs> I just don't like that. Grumbling, murmuring, complaining, not seeing the things of God as they are and recognizing them and living in that direction. Verse 11, now notice what he says here to wrap all of this up, which ties in with Jude as well as Peter's epistle. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. This is for you and me, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. And verse 12, you've heard this many times. He said, so if you think you're standing, be careful that you do not fall. And we'll discuss that a little bit more in a few moments. But the Hebrew writer said some very similar things in Hebrews 3.12, chapter 4, verse 2, and chapter 4, verse 11. But the reason for this point, the reason for this warning that we see in Corinthians by Paul, given by the Holy Spirit, and given to Jude, and given to Peter, and given all throughout the New Testament, is because of a lack of continuous, obedient, and active faithfulness to God. They were slacking off. They thought they could hide it by simply attending once in a while. But they would be revealed. Jude chapter, verse 5 says, that God destroyed those who did not continue to believe. He destroys those who will not hold fast. Those who will not believe to the point of obedience in their life. And he says they could not enter in to the promised land. Why? He says because of their unbelief. Because of their lack of faithfulness to God. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. I'll read this for you. It says, And to whom did God swear that he would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Now we can speak all day about the unfaithful, but the Bible does speak to us about the faithful in God. In 1 Peter chapter 
1 and verse 5, Peter says, By way of God's Holy Spirit, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Think about that for a minute. I believe that every one of us here who are faithful to God need to be thankful for those in the past who have helped and been faithful to Him. Because if they had not been faithful, you might have been fed a bunch of junk and garbage and be sitting here listening to a bunch of junk and garbage. It's important that the faithful remain faithful because of our effect and our efforts on other people. It also warns us that the believer does not develop a heart of unbelief. This is the believer. This is the one who at one time became a Christian. They heard the gospel preached. They believed what it said. They repented of their sin. They confessed Jesus Christ. They were buried with him in baptism. They rose to walk in that new life. But somewhere along the line, they got lazy and just began to sit and do nothing and become less useful in the sight of God. And God said, be careful because you could be destroyed. It's against those, a warning against those who have a lack of concern. And even in their life, as we mentioned <clears throat> in class this morning, even as we think about what's coming up in the week, what we're going to do today, not having our eyes on godly things or the things of God, but rather we, we miss the sight of God. It teaches us the insecurity of those who no longer believe. That is, they no longer believe to the point that they are actively involved and doing everything they can for the benefit of their brothers and sisters. Therefore, the Bible admonition from 1 Corinthians 10, 12 that we read a little bit ago says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Confidence in our own security. Too many times we are confident in our own security, what we have developed within ourselves. but that is no evidence that we are safe in God or in Jesus Christ or that we have the seal of the Holy Spirit on us or with us. And this is where we need to be careful because the warnings are given to us in the Scriptures. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the reoccurring themes in the New Testament is just what Jude is talking about here. When he says, remember what happened to Israel. Don't forget what happened to Israel. Israel was God's chosen people. He called them out. They were his. But in spite of that, they said, we're going to do our own thing. We're tired of listening to God who does not do things as we think he should be doing them. Someone said years ago, I don't know who to give credit to, they said if we, if we don't learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it. And I believe this is what the Bible is telling us over and over and over again. If we do not take the warning from these examples in Jude and other places, we are doomed to repeat it in our own life and we won't even see it far too many times. But having reminded his readers here of the example that Israel shows the possibility of once saved, but yet we can be destroyed, 
He then provides to us an example and shows us how God has a place reserved for the wicked. God has a place reserved for those who are thinking differently than God and don't care to read or understand or believe or hold to His Word. And that's the angels who sinned out of verse number 6. Now, there are not too many particulars concerning these angels who sinned in, in the Scriptures for us, but Jude simply says... There were angels who did not keep their proper domain and left their own habitation. Second Peter 2, 4, Peter simply says, these angels sinned against God. They sinned against God. There's a very old, very old interpretation is that Jude was referring to, the, to what is described in Genesis chapter 6. Where the sons of God refers to the angels who came down and cohabitated with women on the earth. This interpretation is very common in Jewish literature, even today in, in uh, the book of Enoch, as they call it. And it seems that Jude even quotes this later on in verse 14 of his epistle. But it fits with the connection that Jude later makes with Sodom and Gomorrah that they... They had gone after strange flesh. And some disagree with that, but that's not the point that I'm here to make for you. The point we're speaking of today is what is definitely known about these angels who sinned, no matter what that sin was, is the fact that these angels are condemned. They are judged, and they have been reserved for a certain place. God has them right now where you sit, God has them in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. That's where they are now. And I looked this up in the Greek and, and studied this a little bit. It, they're in chains that is slowly pulling them to their ultimate destination. And they cannot refuse that. Those spiritual chains are drawing them down to the depths of an eternal hell away from God. Further and further from God. Peter, 2 Peter 2, 4, God simply says he cast them down to hell. Now this is a casting that is not a good casting. The word hell is Tartarus, many times translated Tartarus in our English versions. And this refers to a place where the Greeks believed it to be the place under Hades where which they would be given this punishment for eternity once Christ came back. But we also see that he delivered them to chains of darkness, and the, the NIV refers to it as gloomy dungeons. Either way, this does not sound like a good place to be. Why are they here, though? Because Jude tells us they are reserved for judgment. Reserved for that day when Christ comes back. They have a reservation. And this is a reservation they will not be late for. This is a reservation they cannot cancel because they just simply don't want to go there. But as Jude puts it, they are reserved or even pre-reserved for the judgment of the great day. This is a similar scene to that which is in Luke chapter 16, beginning of verse 19, where the wicked rich man was in torment. He's in awful torment here, but he's awaiting the great judgment day when God will point his finger at him and say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. The point we can make from this is God is prepared. Oh, my friend, God is prepared 
to deliver everlasting punishment to the wicked, to the disobedient, to the unfaithful, to those Christians who went from point one to rising from that watery grave of baptism, walking for a while and then becoming lazy. The Bible tells us he's ready to deliver even them to an eternal fire in hell. And I don't think there's a one of us in here who wants that, and we do not want that for anyone else. In verse 6, he has the angels in everlasting chains under darkness. In verse 13 of Jude, which we'll get to in a couple weeks, he says, the ungodly men described here, he has reserved for the blackness of darkness forever. Now this is not a place you would want to go and spend a vacation. This is not a place where you want to pick up a brochure and say, hum, Hades, nice and warm, great company. Let's make plans, sweetheart. Not a place we want to go to. Yet I, I see that so many people in our world today, and we heard this down at Pigeon Forge, so many people are setting themselves up for this reservation. Because they are not being faithful, and they have a lack of obedience to the things of God. Jude says that just as he had a place prepared for the angels who sinned, he also has a place for those in 2022 or 2023 or 2025 or 2050 who are disobedient to God, who think differently than God, who pick up the word, maybe, and say, that's not for me, this is 2022, and I'm going to do things because I have a better mind than God does. Revelation 21.8. <clears throat> Again, you probably heard this many, many times. But let's look at this together. But the cowardly, that is the fearful, the unbelieving, that is those who once believed but no longer hold, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Sounds like a family reunion to me, doesn't it? I don't think so. He says, these will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now we understand that there are two deaths that we must accomplish in this life. The first one is physically or spiritually toward God. Dying to self, being buried with Christ, raised from that watery grave, walking with him in, in unison with his word. And the second one, of course, is physical death. And we will be resurrected the second time. But there, that's the first death. The first death is the physical for those who did not participate in the spiritual death. But the second death is when this person rises from their grave at the end of life, the end of eternity, I should say, when Christ comes back, and they will be thrown into the second death, and there is no resurrection from the second death. There's no promise of resurrection from the second death. God has demonstrated that he's prepared. God is prepared to punish the wicked. God is prepared to punish the disobedient. God is prepared to punish the unbelieving, unfaithful people who are no longer obedient to God. God is prepared. And this, my friend, is why we need to be prepared today because He could come back at any time and judge us for how we are at this very moment. The fact that He will do this is re-emphasized again in one more example that he gives to us in the book of Jude. And that is the judgment that will come on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's notice some particulars about this. 
The judgment against these cities is vividly described in Genesis chapter 19, beginning of verse 24. Why this terrible judgment? Why this awful judgment on God's part? Because God said, in my eyes, God said, your sin has become vile. It's grave. It is grievous. He says that in Genesis 18.20. The people doing these particular sins didn't see them as all that much of a problem. And you look at our world today, those who are involved in Sodom and Gomorrah activities, they don't see a problem with their activity. They don't see a problem with their lifestyle. As a matter of fact, there are congregations who welcome them in to preach and to teach and to have their husbands sitting together and their wives sitting together giving worship to God. They see no problem with that. But the problem is, in the eyes of God, the creator of the universe, the one who's going to judge the living and the dead, in his eyes, it's not right. Jude says, in a similar manner to these, that is, in a similar manner to the angels previous who had sinned, they had, one, given themselves over to sexual immorality, and they had gone after strange flesh. This is not a good thing. We see an example of this in Genesis 19, beginning of verse number 4. You can read that. But the point that we want to make from this is both Jude and Peter make the point that Sodom and Gomorrah are an example for us. A warning for us. Peter says in 2 Peter 2.6, it is an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. But Jude says in verse 7, it's concerning the example of those suffering even now in the vengeful fires of an eternal hell. God has given us an example of the eternal fires that are awaiting the unfaithful. The Christian who walked for a while and then decided it was too much, it was boring, he or she was tired of it, just decided to do their own thing. God has given us an example of those who will receive his fiery vengeance. And my friend, we need to read this. You need to read this for yourself. You need to see this for yourself and do something about it. And that is, as God says, I want you to repent. We must repent. Because God will not accept an excuse from us because we were unfaithful to Him. There will be no excuses given where God says, Okay, just this one time, I will let that fly by. There will be no excuses. We are, I believe, like the original folks who received this particular letter from Jude. We are well acquainted with these three examples. We're well acquainted this, with these. We might know these of the Old Testament, but Jude tells us, I want to remind you of these things again. We need to be reminded over and over and over and not forget that at the end of our life, if we are not faithful to God, there is going to be fiery vengeance and it's not worth it, my friend. It's not worth it at all. We need to remember often as well as just being reminded once in a while. I know the fact is because I'm guilty of this as well, far too many times. The world catches our eye. We have our mind on God for an hour or so in, in, in a Sunday morning. We have our sights on God, 
we sing, we pray, we hear beautiful music from individuals. We gather around the Lord's table and try to remember what the awful sacrifice was on our behalf. But then the world sometimes catches our eye. And maybe for some sitting here right now, your eye has already been caught by the world because you're thinking, when is this guy going to shut up so I can go home and do this? When can I be involved in that? What do I have going on this week rather than... These are real warnings from God, and I need to hear this. I like the song. I don't know who wrote it. I'm not going to sing it. All the people said, amen. Remind me, remind me, dear Lord. We need to be reminded often. What is it we need to remember? Let's go over them once again. Jude says, remember Israel as an example of those who were once saved, but who were destroyed because of their lack of holding tight to the things of God, no longer being obedient to Him. Those who were taken from lost into Christ, buried with Him, rising to walk, and then somewhere along the line, they're no longer walking with God, but they've taken a seat, and they're not budging. It's a reminder of the angels who sinned as an example of those whose incarceration in hell tells us that God has a place of permanently for those who are wicked, those who think differently, those who act differently, and those who refuse to repent with remorseful sorrow. He also reminds us of Sodom and Gomorrah as an example that God will not withhold his holy punishment, his holy vengeance of eternal fire when the time is right. These examples are given to us. God is offering you this morning, right here, right now, one more opportunity to repent and get back on fire for God. God is offering that to you and to me. We have too many examples in the scriptures to be selfish. We have far too many examples in the scriptures to be unloving. We have far too many examples to be unfaithful. We have far too many examples to be disobedient to God. We have far too many examples to be unfruitful when it comes to the things of God and the church needs to be a part of in their life. It's only when we keep these in our mind that we take serious the warnings about those who would lead us astray in the world or even from our own our own ideas that sometimes pull us away and begin to do our own thing and forget about Sunday, forget about the worship, forget about the importance of God's Word in our life. We need to take serious the loving warnings of Christ written to us to keep us preserved in Christ and sealed by God's Holy Spirit. Romans 15.4 and John 20.31 both say very similar things in this way. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. We need to be students of the Word of God almost forever, as long as we live, to be taught the Word of God. He says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance and encouragement of the Word, through the scriptures, we might have hope. John 20, 31 says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. The question I have for every one of us here this morning, 
Are we allowing these examples from God's holy word to serve their intended purpose as God has given to them for us? Would you let them motivate you? Let these examples of eternal punishment of those who are disobedient, unfaithful, no longer caring, will it motivate you to make whatever changes in your life need to be made? Judgment day is coming. And my friend, that is the day when the church will be united with her bridegroom. Prepare. Prepare. As we talked a couple weeks ago about a, a bride, when that young man says, baby, will you marry me? And she says, yes. From that moment on, she makes preparations for that great day when she marries that man and they live in happy bliss forever. Be prepared. Judgment day is coming, but are you ready to stand before Almighty God? As Veronica comes to play, I want to read one more scripture. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5.10, let this sink in. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We must all stand before the judgment seat of God. Every last one of us. And I see this as a picture of everyone is around the great white throne of God waiting to be judged personally. They call my name and I stand before God and I give an account of Him and I want to hear Him say because I've been faithful, well done, my son, come on in. But the last thing you want to hear is He calls your name to stand before that great white throne is, I have no idea who you are, you were not faithful. You go to the left, the door's waiting for you. It's hot, so don't touch the doorknob. The Bible tells us that we need to repent, confess Jesus Christ, be buried with him in baptism for the forgiveness of our sin, rise to walk in a life of newness, newness of serving him, and putting aside all of our desires, all of our wants, and becoming his. Christian, if you need to repent, if you need to have remorse for sin you've committed against him, I encourage you as I do every Lord's Day, Come this morning, let this congregation know that you're serious about the things of God. But if you're not a Christian, as the Bible says once again, repent of your sin because you believe what the Word of God says. Confess Jesus Christ as the only begotten of the Father. Be buried with Him in baptism and rise that first resurrection to walk, to walk, to walk, and to live a life of service and of love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. If there's a a desire, a need, an understanding that needs to take place here today. Let's do that as we stand and sing. <clears throat>